UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And we're going to preview the Michigan home opener. The Wolverines face the Broncos of Western Michigan. Well, Clint, how do you think the Michigan offense stacks up against the Bronco defense? Well, this would be the the biggest advantage that Michigan has, um, both uh, from uh, looking at it from Michigan's strengths and also its Western's weakness. So this is really where where Michigan's got to make some hay, uh, especially with what we're hearing coming out of camp about uh, a a new renewed commitment to uh, the run game, right, where where hopefully – Michigan's offensive line can establish some some dominance and re reestablish the line of scrimmage, uh, open up some some holes and and give the running backs some space and, and let them hopefully uh, create some explosive plays. And then also, I think it's really important for Michigan to start fast. They they have have acknowledged how in all six games last year they fell behind, and that was uh, partially related to why they got away from running the ball. So those things go hand in hand. They want, uh, if they win the toss, I would expect them to want the ball first. They, uh, they're going to want to put points on the board first and, uh, and, and build the lead and, and try not to look back. The other thing is that I think they're going to have to kind of give themselves uh, a little bit of breathing room and be ready to continue scoring because we know, um, despite all of the positive vibes coming out of, uh, the press conferences through fall camp, you know, it's still a first year uh, defensive coordinator in Mike McDonald calling plays for the first time in the big house and uh, a lot of new players in new positions with newly defined roles and, and playing a new scheme. So I expect to see more than a few hiccups uh, enough to make it a little bit uh, nerve wracking at times, but um, hopefully the offense can, uh, can get off to a good start and ride all three of their very talented running backs um, and and put up enough points to, uh, to, to overcome the mistakes on the defensive side. I would love to see Michigan come out and uh, have a chance to go on offense right out of the gate. One of the things that the team has talked about, the coaches, the players, is how excited they are to be at home and in front of a packed Michigan stadium for the first time in almost two years due to COVID. And it'll be interesting to see if that electricity really, how it carries over and and carries the team. Um, You know, one of the, some of the players were saying how last year, even though they played some games at home, it was more like a scrimmage. It, they, they really missed the energy. They missed the, uh, the excitement and, uh, Again, I, I think uh, we're going to see a no matter no matter what happens on the coin toss. I think uh, when Michigan comes down the tunnel and the band tunes up, I think we're going to see one of the most enthusiastic welcomes and, and cheers that uh, that we have in, in, in quite a while. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think uh, I think you're right, and, and I think it's well deserved on on both sides. You know, these players. Um, you know, struggled through last season also, you know, and they were the ones kind of carrying the weight of all that stress in the COVID year and, and uh, the, 
multiple tests per week and, and the stress of not letting your teammates down with, uh, you know, a, a positive test and quarantining and all that stuff. So, you know, they, they deserve to have that positive atmosphere also and, and the excitement that comes with it and get to go out there and put their, uh, put their best show on, uh, on the turf and, and hopefully bring home a win, you know, and it, it's big, it's big for so many different, uh, you know, people involved in the program, I, you know, obviously Harbaugh in his seventh season is re- rebuilding and reshuffling the, the staff and has had, uh, you know, vocally, uh, you know, outlined his commitment to, uh, to trying to do what's best for the program over the long term, and, uh, ha- has said clearly that, that he doesn't want to make decisions that are based on his own job status, that he, uh, he brought in guys that he thinks are, are the best for the positions, that uh that he could get and uh we'll see how all that comes together and i think another real key uh player uh is josh gaddis in year three as the offensive coordinator with his third starting quarterback um to open the season i i think this is really a year that um you know the 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 training wheels have to come off i think that he is uh he's really on the spot to be successful kind of a put up or shut up type of of atmosphere and i think that that's fair i think that he's had uh, enough time to install his system over three seasons despite last year being uh you know such a crazy year and and i think that he's got um a roster on on offense to do it there's there's a lot of leadership in key positions we hear a lot of positive buzz about Cade mcnamara's ability to kind of take charge of the huddle uh, he's an ac- accurate passer and, and definitely was a difference maker when he came in last year in that Rutgers game. You could see the offense being executed the way that, that I think Gaddis intends it with the RPOs and, and with putting conflict on the defensive players uh, and making them make plays in space. So um, you got some leaders in the, the wide receiver room that's also deep, maybe six guys deep in the wide receiver position. So no reason that you can't uh, stretch the field vertically and create space underneath. And, and a returning, you know, tight end and uh, a lot of experience along the offensive line. So there's there's no reason that we shouldn't be successful in this first game right away on offense. Now it's not going to be perfect. I'm not uh, not trying to be unreasonable, but I do expect them to come out, start fast, and put up points early and continue to. Uh, exploit the weaknesses that they see and uh, keep hammering away and, and put up as many points on the board as possible. And ideally we'll get to see some of those uh, second stringers um, late in the second half. It's going to be interesting for me. The There's always hype around the quarterback, right? Season in and season out, um, you know, there was hype around Joe Milton last year. And I know you and I both were excited because we'd seen flashes of his arm in warm-ups and from what we heard about his preparation. But I think you're right. When Cade McNamara came in last year, there was a, a different vibe. There was a, a, a discipline to the offense that we hadn't seen um, under under Milton. The thing that I'm wondering about is, so you listen to Cade, and, and I have to say, that he looks the part, he sounds the part, he says all the right things. Um, he has a swagger to him that um, 
I don't think we, that I haven't noticed in, in Michigan quarterbacks for a few seasons now. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if he can back it up. Um, you know, this is may sound counterintuitive, Clint, but what I want to see is what's going to happen the first time he makes a mistake, okay? I want to see him bounce back with, with resiliency because, um, you know, that's something that I don't know that, that we've seen. And I think that, you know, if he's going to be a leader, you have to, you know, show the team how you ban- how you bounce back. I mean, we saw what happened last year um, when the Wolverines faced adversity versus Michigan State when uh, a lot of plays didn't go their way and the game didn't go their way. Now, I don't expect that to happen in this game. Um, you know, I do have some concerns about Western's offense, especially their quarterback versus our defense, but if the Michigan offense can execute the way I think that they want to, um, and primarily being able to run the ball more, right? They To a man, they talk about, you know, Josh Gaddis talked about that they got away from the run last year too often, and part of that was because they were behind score-wise, but also they weren't able to run with authority. And I think that what I would love to see is, you know, uh, an old-fashioned Michigan offense where they just, you know, move down the field and, and, and eat up the clock for a few possessions. Um, and then, uh, you know, open up the pass by, by successfully running. So it'll be interesting. You know, you know, uh, one of the things they say is the best defense is to keep the other offense off the field. So if, if Michigan can control the ball, run and dominate the way they, they seem like they want to, and if Cade can throw um, and, and pass with the accuracy that we're hearing and, and be crisp in the offense, I think uh, we're going to have a good game. And, and again, I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, just, just on a visceral level, I'm, I'm really excited to be back at a game. I, I think uh, I, I was surprised at how much I missed it. And I was also surprised uh, I went to, I ended up getting my vaccines at Michigan Stadium in the offseason. And uh, when I went into the stadium, into the stadium club and was able to look down on the field, it, it really hit me how much I miss being there and how much, uh, you know, you come to appreciate something that you kind of take for granted. You know, you and I as alums, um, you know, we, we've been around the big house uh, in a lot of different roles, you know, both as students and attending games and, and in other roles. And it really struck me how much I really missed it. So I can only imagine how excited the fans are going to be, and it would be really great if the Michigan offense could come out firing on all cylinders. So um, we kind of have a a sketch of what we expect on offense. How do you feel about uh, the Michigan defense matching up with uh, Western's vaunted quarterback, um, Caleb Ellaby? How how do you think that's going to go, or how would you like to see it go? Well, the, the biggest thing that I want to see from the defense um, and what I expect to see is a, a variety of attacking um, roles or, or assignments for your two best players. I mean, it's, it's clear cut on defense that Aiden Hutchinson is, is your best player, maybe on the whole team, and, and that your, your second most talented player on that defense is going to be Daxton Hill at the safety position. So the whole 
concept of, of Mike McDonald's defensive scheme from what we know of it right now, uh, looking back at uh, what we've seen from the Ravens, what we're hearing coming out of the, the insiders and, and out of the uh, press conferences, is that it, they want to be very adaptive. They want to have a, a tool for every situation, so to speak, a personnel grouping and a um, and a package for, for every situation and make it look very complex to the quarterback and to the coaching staff in the box um, on the opposing side. But in reality, in terms of execution, make it simple for your players to understand and execute. So um, what I expect to see is taking your best players, uh, again, Hutchinson and, and Dax Hill, and, and moving them into different spots uh, on the field and, and trying to use their, their skill sets to attack uh, in different ways. You know, last couple seasons under Don Brown, um, the really talented edge players that Michigan has had, although, you know, Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, uh, and, and last year, Quiddy Pay, um, those guys were really forced into supporting the some of the weaknesses on the inside, the interior of the defense, and, and I'm hoping that um, this new scheme and, and, and Mike McDonald's creative um, staff can, can find ways to keep Hutchinson attacking off of the edge uh, and kind of hiding where he's coming from uh, with different stunts and different techniques and also uh, bringing in different personnel packages that get Dax Hill uh, lining up as your free safety and kind of playing a deep center field role, roving and, and reading the quarterback's eyes. Uh, also up near the line of scrimmage, making plays uh, against the short passing game, and, and then obviously also uh, in one-on-one coverage against uh, what may be their slot receiver or, or maybe uh, kind of shadowing their number one receiver uh, on clear passing down. So I think really leveraging your, your most talented guys is what I'm going to be looking for. How is McDonald getting the most out of, of the best players that he has? Now, how that comes together is a total, it's a huge bag of question marks that, that I don't think anybody outside of the coaching staff could really provide any insight until we've at least seen uh, what they put out on the field on Saturday. So, you know, I, most uh, of what I wrote up in my, my preseason prediction is, is about growing pains and getting a feel for putting all of these things together, matching personnel groupings, communicating with, your coaches in the box, getting calls in and communicating with players, making adjustments, getting your feel for all of that is really what Saturday is going to be about for Mike McDonald. So it's there are going to be spots that, that don't look the way that we want them to look. And, and Western is a good enough offense with a good enough quarterback, like you said, in Caleb Ellerby, that um, – they're going to be able to exploit some of those mistakes that Michigan makes, and they're going to put some points up also. So I, I do think that Western's going to stick around a little bit closer than uh, than some of the experts might like. I think the the spread is still 17 points, and, and I just I don't think that they're going to get to a, to a third score in terms of uh, winning by three scores. I, I think that it's going to stay within two touchdowns, but um, that – We'll see how it goes, especially if uh, Michigan can really create some havoc and maybe get the, a few turnovers um, and flip the field. But uh, I, I'm kind of bracing for a little bit of a rough performance and hoping that the offense can uh, 
can just sprint out far enough ahead that uh, that the defense has some breathing room. So what's going to be interesting for me and my key to the game, um, and I look at it from Western standpoint, is can they protect Caleb Ellaby? And that's going to be it, right? Because when I think about what we would have expected from Don Brown's defense, this is a, a game where Don Brown's defense would have sent blitzers from everywhere, would have pressured him, forced him to make mistakes. I mean, that was, that was the game plan, right? And that worked much of the time, okay? It didn't work enough of the time, and it kind of broke down in the last year. But this is the kind of game where Michigan's talent um, across the line would, would win out. So if I'm Western and I hear that Mike McDonald wants to bring in different position groups and swap players in and out, um, you know, I move to stop that by, you know, having quick execution, getting up to the line, not letting that happen. So what I'm going to be looking for is can Michigan put pressure on him? Can they force him out of the pocket? And and can Michigan get these position groups in and out? Because, um, you know, that is sometimes difficult no matter, you know, no matter when in the season you're trying to do it, especially early in the season when you're trying to work the kinks out. So, you know, you know, we can talk about schemes and we can talk about, you know, different things. But really, this is a man, if I'm Western, I'm trying to get up to the line and, and I am. I am having a like three or four plays called in a row, and I am just trying to execute to put pressure on the Michigan defense to catch them out of position. And if Western can do that, this could be a really long day for for the Wolverines. Um, you know, and I, I hate to elicit this, but man, uh, to a certain point, I, I always have the, the the specter of Appalachian State hanging over these early season games, right? When there's a game that Michigan is a huge favorite, and, um, you know, I would really like to see um, Mike McDonald's defense show that they can pressure the Western quarterback, that they can they can make him uncomfortable, and, uh, you know, put give the secondary uh, an opportunity to, um, to not have to cover for a long time, right? Um, so, again, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, um, you know, I kind of know how I would, you know, from watching the Wolverines and, and having an idea of what to expect, I know how I would game plan it if I was Western Michigan. And the question is, can they do it? Okay, I mean, again, it's great to have an idea of how you could how you could beat a, a complex defense or a new defense or a, a rising defense, newly forming. But, um, you know, it's a question of, does the Western Michigan have enough offense, have enough um, experience and enough talent to be able to do that because because let's be clear um, this is Caleb Ellaby's best chance one of his best chances to get some really great stuff on film to make a case for being a, a top draft pick in the NFL and you know this is where you show if you can do it or not so it, it's going to be interesting to me um, you know another thing that I think is going to be potentially a key differentiator for for Michigan is what can they do on special teams who's going to 
return the ball? Who's how? What kind of coverage are they going to have? Are they going to be able to to convert convert field goals? I mean, it's all these kind of nuts and bolts that I think people lose track of when you have a big change on on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. A lot of your time in practice is focused on the offense and defense, and the special teams kind of falls down in priority. So it's going to be interesting to me how they execute in in the specialties tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's it's a great point. The special teams obviously is going to play a huge role in field position as always. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on what type of impact or who who really is gaining an advantage there. Michigan has done relatively well in the kicking game when it comes to field position. Um, they they've been a little bit inconsistent in converting uh, field goals into points. Um, and also on offense, they've been, they've been pretty, uh, poor actually, um, as, as the clock winds down toward halftime in what they call the, you know, the middle eight last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So, uh, I think some of those hidden, uh, uh periods and, and hidden, uh, numbers will certainly, uh, try to, try to show where, where Michigan has, uh, kind of cashed in in those situations but on the return game this year we we really have heard kind of a list of eight players that may be back returning kicks uh and punts and and we lost somebody in the offseason who was a, a hugely productive kick returner when when giles jackson transferred to washington you know he um in his two seasons he's, he, each year he returned one kickoff for a touchdown uh, they were big plays in the games that uh, that that happened. I think it was the opening kick against Maryland when he was a freshman two years ago, and it was the opening kick of the second half um, that really sparked the the comeback at Rutgers uh, last year that ended up going into triple overtime. So losing Giles Jackson is a big deal, um, but it's less of a big deal if they can uh, replace him with with somebody just as explosive and just as productive. And the other big, um, you know, who I'm looking for back there on kicks to be that uh, explosive, I think, are, are guys like A.J. Henning and, and Roman Wilson, who are uh, extremely fast, like almost world-class speed um, with verified track times uh, in high school that certainly can be that explosive. Um, but, but the question is whether they can uh, – can return and create the uh, the main returns like like Giles Jackson was able to, and the other the other returner obviously the punt return position is has really been underwhelming since Jabril Peppers left Ann Arbor. I mean Jabril Peppers I think was underrated both uh, from a, a, a just as a punt returner and the role that he played. He was certainly underrated from your average fan's perspective because, number one, his hands were so good that he caught many, many very difficult punts to catch in the air, right, which tends to uh, stop the ball from bouncing another 10 or 15 or 20 yards on those punts, and those are yards that are definitely hidden from the box score. So his ability to cover a lot of ground with his speed and just catch the ball in the air even on a fair catch was a big deal, and obviously he was very explosive as a returner and uh, and took a few back to the house. And that has been missing a little bit 
in the last couple seasons. So um, I don't know that we're going to get the same type of explosion that we're looking for back there, but uh, the current rumors are about uh, perhaps Ronnie Bell being back there to, to catch punts, and that tells me that uh, that the coaching staff, if that's indeed what happens, Ronnie Bell's back returning punts, then they've recognized the, the critical nature of being able to, to read the ball off of the punter's foot, catch the ball securely, uh, avoid any turnovers, and, uh, and and make smart decisions. So they're going to put somebody with some experience back there. So uh, your, your point about really um, exploiting some of those hidden opportunities is a big one, and they certainly can't afford any any big mistakes to uh, to kind of energize the Western Michigan team as an underdog and and start kind of a oh boy here we go again feeling uh, amongst the fan base so who would you say is your player on offense that you're looking for a breakout and i don't want to say a season let's just break it down into these these first four um you know non-conference games who do you who are you looking to break out oh Using the term breakout, I would say my first answer to that would be Eric All, the tight end. I think he um, he got a lot of criticism last year for dropping passes that were certainly catchable, you know, and that that kind of comes with the territory because it's because people can see that you know it, it's easy to see. Even your average fan can tell. Listen, that ball hit you right in the numbers. You should have caught it. So it's an easy critique. But also, um, the reason I would say that I expect him to have a big breakout is because he is going to be very critical to establishing the run game that um, that Michigan is going to want to um, to really lean on, and for a couple reasons. Number one is he's a uh, he's a very aggressive blocker, and he has been all the way to when he was kind of a a hybrid between a receiver and a tight end before he put the weight on. He was a true freshman out there really throwing his body in there with, with some reckless abandon. So he is a really, really willing blocker. And that's number one where he's going to contribute to the running game. But also that tight end position is going to be one of the main threats in the RPO plays that uh, run pass option plays that Gaddis likes to use that help put linebackers uh to a decision right so if you have eric all uh releasing up the seam on a passing route but also hassan haskins uh, and or blake quorum with uh kind of an inside zone read coming straight at your gap right that linebacker's step is either going to be forward against the run or to turn and run with eric all or, or some other threat up the seam so um that would be the guy that I think is in the position most to really let us know early if uh, if Michigan is being successful, if he is really having a good day in the first quarter and in the first half, then uh, things are going to go well for Michigan. If he's if he's not, if he's kind of uh, invisible, or even worse, if uh, if he's made some mistakes and, and is in a kind of a negative spotlight then that could be a problem for Michigan. So my answer on, on breakout uh, for the game, at least, and for kicking off the season, has got to be uh, Eric All, your number one tight end. I'm really looking uh, to see Cornelius Johnson break out. And, you know, we don't get to see 
a lot from practice, meaning almost nothing. You know, you see clip here and there on uh, on the official website, and you you hear you hear things. But what's interesting is um, just the the attitude he brings, and I mean that in a in a good way. It's just he seems to have a confidence that uh, that it's going to be interesting to see if his play backs up his demeanor, and he definitely. Um, carries himself as a player who, who is a player, you know, who's a playmaker, and uh, I'm interested to see that. You know, the other thing that the the big question mark for me, and of course, there's Cade McNamara. Let's let's not, you know, that that's kind of the easy one, right? But mm-hmm. what I'm wondering is when and how often we will see Donovan Edwards because Hassan Hoskins showed that. You know, he's a, a very competent runner. Blake Corum is a very competent runner. And both have shown that they could be first-string running backs on, on many teams. And I'm wondering uh, if Donovan Edwards is going to be able to assert himself in that rotation. And I think that's going to tell us a lot about um, if his talent is uh, is everything and if he's going to you know make an impact early early in the season. So... I think it'll, it's going to be interesting to see what opportunities he's going to he's going to get to show uh, what he can do. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's um, you know there's some precedent from you know Michigan's history uh, of really highly talented running backs coming in and uh, contributing as freshmen, and, and it's something we should definitely keep an eye on and maybe compare to see where. Uh, where his usage and, and the number of touches that he gets in this first game kind of aligns with, with some of the some of those guys that came in and contributed right away in the past. Obviously the you know the, the closest example is now the running backs coach, Mike Hart, who came in and was a contributor right away early in the season and eventually became the the, the first running back and, and the starter and eventually broke the rushing record over his career. You know, but I also think of, of a little bit further back of a guy that came in um, in the early 90s with Tyrone Wheatley as a freshman um, in a running back room that was pretty well established. And he uh, he had the third highest number of carries when he was a freshman. If I remember, it was in the the 80s, like 86 carries over 12 games or touches uh, over 12 games. But still, um, you know, had nearly as many touchdowns as the first running back. So he was a uh, highly efficient in his limited touches. So it'll be interesting to see with a guy like Donovan Edwards, who's uh, supremely talented and certainly is going to be looking to maximize every opportunity he gets to see what level um, of success he's able to, to kind of bring when he does get his touches. Cause it's probably going to be between five and 10. Um, if, uh, best case scenario for for him um you know if if michigan can really turn this into a laugher in in the second half then then he probably gets a few more than that but if the game stays you know within two scores all the way into the fourth quarter i would say we're probably looking at uh six or seven touches for donovan edwards and we'll have to see how well he can uh, capitalize on those opportunities so on the defensive side of the ball I'm really going to be, you know, just just like I was saying, the key to the game is how the Wolverines put pressure on the Western Michigan quarterback. I'm going to be looking at the defensive line 
you know, the, the tackle, the nose tackle, the defensive tackles. One of the interesting things that Sean Nua said is that, you know, there are times where Michigan might roll two or three nose tackles. And, you know, I think that was kind of a, you know, kind of a ha-ha kind of a joke. But I think it's interesting that I think we're going to see um, a lot of interesting looks, a lot of interesting um, I don't want to say stunts, but different techniques to put pressure on. So, so yeah. So, uh, you know, if those guys can cause some mayhem, you, you know, that's going to free up Aiden Hutchinson to make some huge plays. So again, you know, I'm thinking Christopher Hinton, Maisie Smith, Julius Welshoff, you know, these guys, Donovan Jeter, um, Jess Spate. I mean, I think we're going to see all these guys in rotation. And one of the other things that Sean knew has said is, you know, they were asking, you know, one of the questions was how many how many defensive linemen will you have in rotation? And he said, as many as it takes, right? <laughs> and I thought that was kind of funny. But I think, um, you know, they're going to try to stay fresh. They're going to try to put pressure on. And, and the thing that happens when you have a rotation like that is just by definition, you're going to see guys um, uh, elevate themselves, separate themselves from the other guys, right? Because you're, there are players who are going to do really well. There are players who are going to, you know, basically just tread water and try to get things, you know, do the best they can. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, there's going to be so many things to watch on the defensive side of the ball that, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we could be watching all 11 positions and as the different position groups come in. But, um, you know, for me, it always comes down to the, to the line of scrimmage and, uh, Hopefully they can um, emulate some of the success that Michigan had in past seasons on causing mayhem and, and uh, you know being able to control the defensive line. Yeah, I if if I could send out uh, any piece of advice to, to folks that are trying to gauge the, the the level of success of the defense, focus on the inside linebackers and especially Josh Ross. If Josh Ross is making plays at or near the line of scrimmage and then then that defense is working well if his tackles are happening three four five yards down the field or even worse if he's uh getting isolated in and being exploited by slot receivers running backs or tight ends then then things are not going well the way that we want them to be so um if you're trying to get a quick gauge early uh, in the game, focus on the uh, the inside linebackers, probably Nakai Hill Green, but especially um, Josh Ross and, and where he's making plays in relation to the line of scrimmage, playing downhill. If he's if he's playing in the backfield against the run or or is able to rush the passer and, and create some pressure on the quarterback, then then Michigan is executing the way that they want to be, and that is a very very positive sign. So what is your prediction for the game, score-wise? I think Michigan's offense is going to um, create enough plays. Uh, I think special teams probably get uh, turned in a, a big play or two, and uh, Michigan's going to score 37 and, and Western 24. I think that's probably a little bit closer at halftime than we would like, probably something like uh, 24-21. But... Um, eventually uh, Michigan has too much talent across the board. The advantage is going to be 
um, uh, in, in Michigan's favor, and, and hopefully uh, there'll be some depth that we see later in the second half where, where some of those younger guys are getting some experience. But I, I expect Michigan to stay ahead for most of the game uh, and eventually stretch it out to, uh, to two touchdowns and win 37-24. My prediction is going to be Michigan 31, Western Michigan 24. I, I just have a feeling it's going to be closer. I think that the uh, – I expect the Michigan defense to, to look pretty good. I'm expecting for some, uh, some hiccups on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, that's not to criticize any particular aspect, but generally the offense takes a little bit longer to come together. And uh, I would love to be wrong, but I just uh, I have a feeling. So um, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.